wrestling fans, are you ready? This is Tuesday. You people bought a ticket to see me, so shut up. Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood. First of all, Dusty Rhodes, I think what you are is a big, ugly, low-class, redneck goose. Here's Jonathan Hood. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Hood. Follow the show on Instagram and on Twitter at WrestlingTWT. Again, that's WrestlingTWT. Also, our YouTube page, YouTube.com. Subscribe to the YouTube page. Go to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Catch interviews and conversations you might have missed. We will hear from Josh Lopez from ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Always like to have Josh on after a big event with his WWE whether it's AEW, whether it's New Japan, the pay-per-view events, we'd like to have Josh on and get his perspective. But first, let me give you some news and notes as I welcome you here at noon on Tuesday, the 8th of September. And by the way, I do a poor job of promoting my own stuff. Um, I don't know why. Uh, I hope that you guys are catching me with David Kaplan for Cap and J Hood mornings on ESPN 1000 Chicago. And for those of you outside of our market of the Chicagoland area, you can download the ESPN Chicago app and uh, be able to catch our shows live. You can also catch it on TuneIn as well. But look for um, David Kaplan and I for Cap and J Hood every morning between 7 and 10 a.m. Central Time, every morning uh, on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Okay, so let's get on to the pro wrestling slash sports entertainment because this is what we do. We give you the best in uh, pro wrestling conversation. A lot to talk about. We will review all out the pay-per-view emanating from Jacksonville, Florida at Daly's Place. We will also talk a little bit about Monday Night Raw that took place um, in Orlando this past Monday, the 7th of September. A couple other news and notes for you as well as part of our program here uh, this afternoon as we record this. I mentioned at noon on Tuesday. Let us start first with AEW uh, in Jacksonville with their all-out pay-per-view. I've heard a lot of complaints about the crowd in Jacksonville. And I retweeted a couple of those things at Wrestling TWT, and I read and heard a couple of podcasts reviewing All Out from Jacksonville. It's like, oh, the crowd, the crowd was dead 
The crowd had nothing to say. How come the crowd didn't help? There's a couple of things. And this is where AEW is such a young company. They got a lot to learn. And it's not horrible. Again, I want to always say that when I have criticism for AEW, it's not the refined finished product of the WWE or even Impact Wrestling uh, as far as the production value is concerned. It's just it's just not. Or New Japan. It, it's going to take time for them to figure out a number of things out. Once they're one year old, I'll be able to have a full podcast on likes and dislikes for AEW. But we're going to just focus on this show. All right. So. If you realize that in Jacksonville, the crowd spread out, if you saw any crowd shots, you know that close to, closer to the ring, there were hardly no fans. There was some wrestlers and some managers and some AEW personnel that were near the ring, but not a lot in those first seats that you normally would see at a hard camera shot. Uh, normally, as of course you know, AEW turned their cameras around to face the ramp because it just looks better that way. The crowd seems like they were up in the upper deck and they were socially distant and spread out. So if you're AEW, you realize that you got to put a, a mic there where the crowd is. Yeah, it didn't sound like anybody was there and there was very little noise and there's a reason. It's because they're way up high in the balcony at Daly's place and you just have to mic it better. If it was the WWE, of course they would have liked it better because they have the experience of being able to make sure their production is solid. Going back to the late 80s, mid to late 80s, Vince McMahon always was the best when it comes to production value. And so if you know your fans are there, you want to mic it to make it seem like the people are interested in the product. Remember, all of this is not even about the wrestling. It's about the overall television product. And so... It wasn't mic'd, and so it sounded like either fans were not there or they were not interested or there was very few pops. Maybe there's a lot of pops up there, but we wouldn't know because it wasn't mic'd well. And so that's a Tony Khan and uh, production issue at AEW. I'll also say this when it comes to the announcing. And this is not one of those things where you are grinding the wrestling show into granular detail and Dave Meltzer vacation of wrestling where you take a look at all aspects of wrestling to the point where you can't enjoy the product because that's not me. I can enjoy the product in ring because that's the number one thing. But also what is important is the presentation. The presentation must be on par. Whatever you think of Michael Cole, whatever you think of any uh, announcer in the WWE, that does play-by-play, play. it becomes monotonous when you hear the same information over and over again. But the reason why that happens, the reason why it's like, oh, here comes Bobby Lashley and, and or here comes Becky Lynch, the man, because you know every time that you hear them give the nickname and the background every single time is because they know they always have new uh, viewers. Time and time again, you got to remind the fans, this is what's going on. This is how we're looking at this match. Here's why this opponent is important. You have to continue to say that as a play-by-play man. The announcing was so poor and so unfocused for a big event. I, I was really disappointed in that. And I try to keep my focus on the ring and... You know, I got to go back to what I was doing like a month ago and just put house music on and just watch and listen to house music while I'm watching the action because I can get so distracted at how unfocused that booth is. Tony Schiavone, and for those who have listened to me over the years, Tony is one of my heroes in broadcasting, not just in wrestling and broadcasting, because Tony 
always had a great call back in the day as a play-by-play guy. He's a third wheel in this three-man booth, is, and he can do color. He said man at least ten times. I'm like, is it, what did happen to Tony Schiavone? Hey, you know what? You're right, man. Hey, you know what, JR? That's exactly right, man. Man? Who does that? Are you some kind of beatnik? What's going on? You're some kind of hippie? He said man at like at least seemingly 10 times when he was done speaking in his third of the broadcast. I'm like, okay, that doesn't sound great. Jim Ross. So many people are Jim Ross fans because of the Attitude Era. Think about it. Jim Ross comes to the WWE, fired a couple times, but once he got into a groove and settled in after Vince went to the back and was no longer doing play-by-play, and he gave the keys to Jim Ross, there's a generation of fans that love Jim Ross from the Attitude Era. I go back further with him to the UWF days. I remember him in like 86, 87 popping up on a a syndicated television show i'm like what is going on what is this wrestling right and jim ross was calling it like a college football or college basketball game because that's how exciting it was in oklahoma louisiana he was great he was great he was great in the nwa he's great in wcw he's great in the wwe this jim ross plugging his barbecue sauce and how every move reminded him of a dead wrestler and not just one, not like the Buzz Sawyer that you get from time to time. Now, he was mentioning multiple dead wrestlers in the game, in the, in the, on the show. And I, I was just like, what is going on? Unfocused. The Anna J quote was unnecessary. It's 2020. And, and it's weird, too, because, listen, I can't relate to what Jim Ross is doing up there in that booth, but it's amazing that you've got a three-and-a-half-hour wrestling show to call and you got time to answer people's criticism on Twitter. I don't get that. Uh, when I'm doing play-by-play for basketball or for baseball, I'm rarely even looking at Twitter, if, if at all, because I'm so focused on the game. Hey, we all do it differently, but I thought it was weird that in the broadcast, instead of focusing on that, He's, he's answering uh, Twitter trolls or people that are criticizing him for saying that, oh, I would love to see NJ have a wardrobe malfunction. Well, that's unnecessary. And I don't know if there's going to be anything going against Jim. And I'm not part of this cancel culture. But you know that that's wrong. It's wrong. Well, like what we say in the radio business is, when in doubt, leave it out. And you, you, you can get to the line, but you can't cross it. And, and you cannot look at a 20-year-old that's on the roster that you work with as a co-worker said, I would like to see a wardrobe, wardrobe malfunction on Anna J. Even if you think the line is funny, you just know that there are a lot of people that will take offense to that. So why even say it? You're not doing broadcasting in 1997 for Vince. And, and so as much as I like talking to Jim Ross and having a conversation with him, you know, it's funny when we have a conversation. I look at him like an Al Michaels. I I talk to him as kind of a broadcast colleague, where I'm talking to a legendary broadcast figure, not just a wrestling announcer. But it, it is, it's beyond listenable at this point in time. It's about the wrestlers and getting it over. And it's just like if you don't like what you're seeing, you shouldn't be doing play by play. You shouldn't be doing color because I can't see Jim's doing color. And he comes across as a third wheel in that broadcast. 
And then what, what also is a head scratcher is, again, he had time to talk about this on social media, apologizing, bad attempted humor, and then tells the audience to lighten up. I'm sorry, but lighten up. That shit don't fly. That shit don't fly. And I don't know what Tony Khan's going to do about that, but that's not right. You apologize and keep it moving. You don't tell people, I'm sorry, and then lighten up in the same tweet. That's what he did on Saturday night. And I would just, and my response is that that's not good. That's not good. You can look at a legend and also criticize the legend. You don't criticize him just because he's a legend. You criticize the legend when he's wrong. Or any broadcaster, including Excalibur. Excalibur is so green um, and he's unpolished as a broadcaster. So that's your booth for AEW. Now, again, this is just year one of this. If you're Tony Khan, you might want to reevaluate it and have two people in the booth that can get your talent over. It's a different breed of wrestling. It's, it's a lot of stuff that we don't normally see on a weekly basis, but this is what AEW is, and I don't think it's bad, but the presentation has to be good. Someone's got to put that over. Instead of putting their barbecue sauce over or, or putting over their own personal things that they do, how about put the talent over? And if I'm a talent AEW, I'm not happy with it. It's like I could bust my ass, but yet one of the announcers is talking about barbecue sauce. The other one's talking about other matches. You know, this is one of the downfalls of WCW as well. Uh, so that that's something that uh, bothered me watching AEW. It's like the presentation's got to be better and the overall production, the crowd. If, if you want the crowd to be heard, you got to mic it. Simple as that. I didn't uh, think that this pay-per-view was worth 50 bucks, but I know many people paid for it. I thought it was a two-and-a-half match card at best. Um when I look at the Young Bucks against the Jurassic Express, who's the babyface? Who's the heel? Oh, I'm sorry. Is that too is that too old school? I shouldn't ask that question because it doesn't matter. Well, it does matter because if you consider wrestling entertainment, right, then their entertainment just like a TV show, a movie, or anything else that you sink your teeth into, including a soap opera. In every single show that you watch, there's very few shows or movies where you say, ah, it's shades of gray. Yeah, maybe I like that guy, maybe I don't. And I look at the Young Bucks and take it on the Jurassic Express and the Young Bucks win the match. I thought it was a, a, a very fast-paced, very solid tag team match, about a B plus. And But again, what did that match do for the Jurassic Express? Right, That would come across as a dream match maybe in a year from now, but they wrestled each other. Was there any heat between the Young Bucks and the Jurassic Express? Then why have the match? Why have the match? Somebody has to be the heel or someone has got to be someone that you don't like. I like all four of these guys, so what's the point of having the match? You had the match because you had the match, right? I thought that that was one of the best matches in the card. I thought that uh, Sheeta against Thunder Rosa, and I'm a big Thunder Rosa fan as, as she comes in with the NWA championship, would have been funny and actually even more interesting if it was title for title. That would have been interesting. I thought that that was a very solid match. There was just one spot in there, and you get this in modern wrestling today where there's cooperation. If you're going to do a high-risk move, all of a sudden the pace slows where it's like, okay, I'm going to put you on my shoulders. Okay, are you ready? One, two, three. I don't like that. But I thought that the match was very good. A solid enough match. 
And um, I don't think that the match hurt Thunder Rosa at all. It is one of those matches where it put Thunder Rosa on the map uh, on a national stage on this pay-per-view as NWA champion and it elevates Sheeta. So I didn't think it hurt either woman. It was a very good women's match. And the other uh, match I thought was uh, very interesting was John Moxley against MJF. Um, I like that match because, it, it, you know, MJF just, I mean, he hit a gusher. Good Lord, he hit a gusher. So he's bleeding all over the place. And it was one of those matches where I was not sure who was going to win. It easily could have went to MJF after all that buildup. And there was a proper build to it, too. But I liked the the mentality from MJF to try to keep it in the ring because as soon as you take it outside the ring, John Moxley wants to do a CCW crap. He wants to do, you know, to turn it into a hardcore match. And eventually it did in some ways it did. Uh, but I would love to see John Moxley have a little, um, Dean Ambrose in him. Here's what I mean. When you're the AEW champion, you have to be more than, hey, you know what? I can cut myself at any time. I can bleed at any time. Or I can just uh, brawl with you at any time. The difference between John Moxley and Dean Ambrose is, is that Dean Ambrose had to keep it within the confines of the ring. Yeah, you know he was wild, but he only used it when he had to. He doesn't have to do this stuff. He doesn't have. He does not have to be a brawler. He could actually wrestle in the ring because I've seen him do it. We've all seen him do it. But I believe that his wrestling ability and his personality can get him over. John Moxley doesn't have to do the blood and gut stuff all the time if he doesn't want to. I'm sure that there's a section of the fan base that appreciates that because it's different. But at some point, if I see you bleed every other show or if I see you, you know, taking it to the outside, breaking the barricades when you throw somebody into the barricade, you know, it, to, to me, it becomes monotonous. And I just think that a more of a range for John Moxley could he help his character even more so. And so from the Casino Battle Royal, by the way, we come to find out that Lance Hoyt is going to Lance Archer is going to be the um get the number one contender for the championship. Well, you know, with Lance Archer winning the Battle Royal, the Casino Battle Royal, so I would say that Archer at some point is gonna be the AEW champion, but he's gotta get hot though. I don't think he's hot. When you see him out there, he does not look special to me. It's one thing to have a look, a mean mug look. He's with Jake Roberts, and you like that. I think Jake has to take a step back. I mean, Jake has got a great promo, but he's got to be able to take a step back and show why he would be good with Lance Archer. And Lance Archer has to be able to beat a number of opponents for me before we see him against John Moxley. Now, Archer could could be the champion, but he's got to get hot. He's got to get get some momentum here. He's got to have some quality matches. I'd love to see over the next a couple months for us to know, like, okay, Archer is the real deal. Now, we know this if we watch him in New Japan or other places that he's been. But I don't think he's hot yet. But it's good that he won the Casino Battle Royal because that could be a very good match. It does not have to be bloody it does not have to be on the outside every time so i'd like to see some versatility in john moxley as he leads in that matchup against lance archer here's something else that um i really had a hard time with and that was matt hardy in his matchup against sammy guevara we've already seen an oops from sammy guevara throwing that chair viciously 
uh, like some greenhorn into the face of Matt Hardy. This is what happens with like these young, young guys, and you don't bridle them, and they don't have a ton of experience. And you know Matt Hardy is taking a beating in his career, so he could take it, right? But he shouldn't have to take it. That's the point. You shouldn't have to take it. And so the one incident where you know Mar- Hardy is just busted open, concussion, whatever. In this contest at All Out, I, I just don't understand why some people like Tony Khan is such a mark for the business. Such a mark for the business. And you knew that this was going to be some crazy match where they're going to do a bunch of stunts, Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara. The match is not even five minutes old. They get on a like a lift, like almost like a forklift, and they start fighting within what two minutes of the of their particular match. Both guys fall off. Hardy misses the table or whatever else was supposed to be underneath him, and he is out. He's out. He was out for forty five seconds, unconscious. He gets up and says, "I where's Sammy? I want to delete him. Delete." He had no idea where he was. Did you see that? Did you watch that match? As soon as he that Hardy hits his head on the concrete, falling from however fell, far he fell off of that, uh, off of that uh, com- contraption, right? He's down. Referee Aubrey Edwards gives the X signal like, "Oh, he's out. He's down." Right? Now I didn't know if this was live or taped. I had no idea if that match was live or taped in Jacksonville. On Saturday. But point is, we come to find out, as far as I know, it was live. So Aubrey puts up the X like, okay, Matt Hardy's in trouble. Sammy's fine, but Matt Hardy's in trouble. He's out for 40, down and out for 45 seconds before he gets up. Where's Sammy? I need to delete him. I need to delete him. He had no idea. He stands up and he can't move. Like he stands up and his legs are not underneath him. You could tell that the lights are on, but nobody's home. And they call for the bell and they stop the match. The story is is that the refer the the doctor, Dr. Sampson and AEW, checks Matt Hardy, makes sure he's okay, and they resume the match. They resume the match. How in the hell does that match resumed? Tony Khan, Mark for the business, want to have his own Mick Foley moment. Nick Foley versus The Undertaker. Back then, we didn't know about concussions and how serious concussions can be back in the late 90s in which it happened in Pittsburgh with The Undertaker. But it's almost like Tony Khan says, okay, the doctor checked out Matt Hardy for what? Two minutes? Three minutes? And said, yep, he's great. He's good to go. Did you see his legs? You see that he had no idea where he was? And yet they resumed the match? And he gets up on the on the he climbs up, and, and you know on the on the contraption there for at AEW, and sends Sammy uh, Guevara down into a whole bunch of whatever that was at the at below, and then of course Sammy Guevara was out and Matt Hardy won, but I, I just I don't understand why that match continued, outside of Tony Khan thinking. Oh, well, if the doctor cleared him after a couple of minutes, then he's okay. Did anyone watch that? Did anyone see that Matt Hardy did not have his legs out from uh, was underneath them? He had no clue where he was, but yet he was cleared? What the hell is that in 2020? 
it's going to get to a point where some of these promoters just want to have their WWF, WWE moment. Like, oh, you know, if Mick Foley did it, or if X wrestler did it, if this wrestler did it, then our wrestlers can do it. Doc Sampson, what the hell was that? What test did you give him, a concussion test, in which in two or three minutes you said, you know what, you know what, Matt's good to go. Because Matt Hardy probably said, I'm fine a hundred times. It was completely amazing to watch in real time. I'm thinking it's taped. It's live. They call off the match and then restart the match because Matt Hardy says he's fine. Climbs up the rigging. And I don't know if he had a concussion off of that. But the point is, is that you got to think about the safety of the wrestlers. That was not the case in Jacksonville on Saturday. Bully Ray, as well as um, Dave LaGreca on Busted Open, talked about how the brains of Matt Hardy were scrambled. Listen. From what we saw on Saturday, do you see any kind of connection between the two? What I see is autopilot. And I know you're like, whoa, but he was right back in character. How bad could he have been? Oh, trust me, he was bad. When you see Matt try to move in any way, shape, or form, especially getting to his feet, his feet are not under him. When you get knocked out, a concussion, and I know they said that he does not have a concussion, but in the moment, right then and there, he could have had one. He doesn't have all of his motor skills. He's trying to get to his feet. He's fumbling around. Your brains immediately go crazy. So now what happens is your brain immediately tries to repair itself, tries to repair itself. It tries to fire it back up. And that's where, like, Matt losing his legs comes in. His bell was rung. His brains were scrambled. There's no doubt. That's what happened with me. Jericho gave me that bulldog off the ladder. My head went splat. I rolled out of the ring. Nobody knew in that minute how out I was. I was able to roll, get my wits about me, start that engine back up again and finish the match. How did I finish? I finished on complete autopilot and with Chris barking orders in my ear. And if you go back and you watch TLC4 and you see me take all of these moves and hit all these moves, how could you possibly have a concussion? You're doing all these moves exactly the way it's supposed to be. And the answer is, I don't know. And the best thing I could say is autopilot. With Matt, the autopilot took a little longer, but his the autopilot was through his mouth. Come back here, Sammy Guevara. I'm not done with you. I'm going to delete you. But meanwhile, he didn't have his motor skills. In your estimation, did they go the right way, right lengths on Saturday night? I'm only going to say yes because a doctor checked Matt out. I'm not quite sure what type of protocol test could be administered in three minutes. I'm not taking anything away from Dr. Sampson. I don't know what the test was. I was not there. But if a legitimate doctor checked him out and said, okay, you're good to go back out there, well, I guess that's on the doctor. The doctor made the call. Just like a doctor can make a call in a boxing match to allow the boxer to continue, I'm not sure I would have made the same call in the heat of the moment because I saw too many things that led me to believe that Matt's motor skills were off and he could be a danger to himself and the other guy that he was out there with. Thoughts there from Bully Ray and Dave LaGreca on Busted Open on Series XM. Um, so interesting thoughts there from Bully Ray for someone who's had a lot of concussions in the ring. Uh, it was completely, to me, a shame that Matt Hardy had to go out there and complete that match. His brains were scrambled and Doc Sampson said, oh, no, he's fine. Well, he couldn't stand. He was out for 45 seconds. Uh, if nothing else, he was out for 20 to 25 seconds and still didn't get to his feet until almost a minute. It, it, I mean, uh, what about the safety of the wrestlers? 
This is when you're a mark for the business and you want to have your own Mick Foley moment. It's completely disagree. I don't know why that happened, um, but it shouldn't happen anymore in AEW or anywhere. You've got to think about the safety of the wrestlers first. I haven't thought about Crowbar. Remember the wrestler Crowbar from WCW? Now he's got like the series of videos he's put out on his uh, on his Twitter feed. It looks interesting. He looks hireable. Someone that could just <laughs> kind of be in a gothic kind of noir type of situation. Just kind of give his thoughts on wrestling. You got to follow him on Twitter. His The video he has is black and white. Seems like it's kind of a gothic noir black and white type video that he's at, that he has and he's kind of gives his thoughts on current wrestling and just what we were talking about with, with Matt Hardy he's talking about the fans how the bloodthirsty fans love when wrestlers just do whatever they need to to entertain us it's interesting lo and behold the basement dwelling medical experts have all emerged from their dens and have taken to their keyboards like rats. Up in arms, the same bloodthirsty population who have encouraged, no, demanded that sports entertainers risk life and limb for their entertainment, now cry out in righteous unison the demographic who first demanded and then praised Tony Khan and AEW for delivering matches of this caliber are suddenly concerned about the well-being of talent. Now, you are the humanitarians, the altruists. You're the ones who care. Keep telling yourself that, and maybe one day it'll become truth. I say you're simply redirecting your guilt onto others. And as much as you would like to renounce responsibility for what transpired, this is on you. Your hypocrisy is timeless. <laughs> okay. Crowbar. At WCW Crowbar. It's interesting. He's getting a lot of views on these videos and his thoughts about modern wrestling. He, he says... Thank God Matt Hardy's okay. Don't blame Tony Connor AEW. Blame yourselves. If you're on board, you get it. If not, you're part of the problem. <laughs> In a, a video called Hypocrites. Well, I'm not asking for blood and guts. I'm not asking for Matt Hardy to get injured. I don't need that pop. I just I, I just like the wrestling. Crowbar. It's kind of cool. He should be a writer for WWE because they always blame the fans. Anytime there's a turn, watch Cedric Alexander. If he joins the Hurt hurt Business, he'll take the microphone and say, the reason why that I'm with the Hurt Business is because of each and every one of you. Because that's what the WWE does. Lazy ass booking. That's what they do. 
All right, I'm going to call Josh Lopez from ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com and get his thoughts on uh, some of the action that took place in Jacksonville with AEW All Out. Of course, you can follow Josh on Twitter at The Hoots Podcast and uh, please bookmark ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. does a great job of uh, going through all the major events in pro wrestling um, with a fine-tooth comb. And so check it out, ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. We'll give him a call and get his thoughts on the shows as well, right here on TWT. As promised, here he is, Josh Lopez from ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com and the Hoots Podcast, wherever you download your podcast, look for the Hoots Podcast. And Josh joins us as we review AEW All Out from Jacksonville. Hello, Josh. Hoodie, how's the Crown Royal going? Oh, the Crown Royal is flowing, as always. Uh, not, not this afternoon, though. I mean, that was... Over the weekend, but um, I had, I felt like I should have drank a whole bottle after watching AEW All Out. That's for sure. Uh, that's a prevailing thought I have every every at the end of the week. That's the one thing that comes out of the top of my head. I I need to drink, but also I'm somebody who's straight at, so it's like like what can I do? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, I know when you're you need to have some kind of vice. So you got to have something. It just it was just it, it was not horrible. It was just a head scratcher in so many moments. So. Uh, I went through some things from uh, All Out. Let me ask you your overall thoughts on the card. I thought the card was a two-match card. I really enjoyed the main event with John Moxley and MGF. I thought uh, it was probably Moxley's best match in AEW I've seen so far uh, as a world champion. I I thought MGF held himself to a high center, and he, he showed that he belonged. MGF is just a pure star He's one of the few performers in AEW that I really enjoy watching and one of the few talents I think is must-see for their programming, and I really enjoyed that world title match. I also enjoyed the tag team title match as well. Man, Hoodie, can you picture Twitter reacting if they had like a uh, rock and roll versus midnight match that went maybe 40 minutes <laughs> for the oh, yeah. tag titles back in the day? Yeah, oh, absolutely, oh, absolutely. It was, you know, you know. <clears throat> well, well, first of all, the, you mentioned the main event. You talked about John Moxley. I'll, 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 let me ask you something. No one's asked you. Okay, let me ask you this. Um, what did you like about the character Dean Ambrose? I liked the wrestling. I didn't like. Uh, there was nothing about his character or his promos that I connected with. I, I uh, when it came to the whole funny uh, lunatic thing, I just never bought it. Like I knew his track record of working in CZW, and like they had this reputation of him being a dangerous wrestler and all that. I just never bought into him genuinely as a uh, performer when it came to his promos and stuff. So I enjoyed what he did in the ring. Okay, the reason why I ask you that question is because I'm always into gears when it comes to wrestlers. Like, so it's almost like. It's like the sun comes up in the morning. You can find a John Moxley match with blood, right. and, and and my thought is is that there are probably a little bit, definitely more wrestling in this match with MJF than what we usually see because with John Moxley matches, it's usually you know a, a lot of action outside the ring, a lot of that CZW nonsense. And to me, I think that you have to build toward that. I don't think that every match has to be here's a heavyweight champion and he's a guy he's who's dangerous. Um, I, I always feel like half the guys in this company that work for Vince feel like they can do whatever they want because Tony Khan allows them to. 
Uh, I remember right. my interview with John Moxley. It's in the archives of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. He, I mean, he brought it up himself. He goes, I came up with ideas for Tony Khan. He's like, yeah, you could do that. And even John Moxley's surprised, like, are you sure we could do that? This goes back to his battle with, with Kenny Omega. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I just think for John Moxley, that was more of a, a the kind of wrestling match that I want to see from Moxley. I mean, it's one thing for MJF to uh, bust a gusher. I mean, holy Eddie Guerrero versus JBL, right? I mean, just un- like unbelievable. But I, I'd like to see more of the wrestler than the brawler from John Moxley and see how that gets over. I I consistently said this on my podcast that I prefer the New Japan Pro Wrestling version of John Moxley than yeah. what I see on TNT every week. Mm-hmm. He lets his work speak for himself. You know who John Moxley is. Now watch him work. And you, you could go back to watch his matches that he did with uh, Minoru Suzuki or Juice Robinson. Um, his run in the G1 Climax tournament last year was really good. And that's the John Moxley that I'm most invested in because he is a good wrestler. But it's just some of the hokey, trying to be wacky, dangerous guys. It's just a hit and miss for me. Like, I, 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 won't, fully, I won't fully go the whole cosplay Stone Cold thing because I think that's kind of hit and miss as far as that comparison is concerned. But it's just... I'd rather see John Moxley wrestle. If I don't have to hear him talk again, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> well, that tag team match, the seventh match on the card, again, you can follow along with us at ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com as Josh writes about Kenny Omega and Hangman Page, the champions, taking on uh, FTR for the tag team championships. You know, it was a very good match. Um I'm not going to – I could go real technical on some things. I thought that that was a miss. Like, for instance, like, you know, if you're going to have a tag team match, first of all, you can't you can't stop. At some point, like at the 30-minute mark, I don't know if, if all four guys got lost, but it just seemed like it did not have that same flow toward the back end. You have to go back and watch it where it's kind of like there was kind of – like the match kind of stopped a little bit um, where Kenny Omega and Paige were kind of looking at each other. And I thought that that was weird, but the thing that's missing out of a classic tag team match or any, any match, Josh is, well, where's the heat? Yeah. Where's it? Where, where, where's the fucking heat? It's it's like the, the young bucks, uh, um, Jurassic express match. Well, well, who's the baby face? Who's the heel? Oh, that's our, that's passe. Okay. So who am I supposed to be invested in? Oh, all four guys because of their spots? No, I can't do that. Because because if that was the case, then any movie or any sitcom that I watch where there is uh, a bad guy and a good guy, a good girl and a bad girl, that I'm just so invest, invest in all the characters and just watch the show. Well, no, you have to be able to have a feeling one way or the other, like there's a resistance here and I've got to be yeah. able to root for the, 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 the good guy or the good person in this story. I'm watching Kenny Omega and Hangman Page and it's great that they took on FTR. It's great. I'd like to see that match 10 times. We, we won't. But the point is that FTR still not heels. Still not heels. So, so, what, so what are they there for? Like we're, so if you are AEW, FTR doesn't win the tag team championships for a year. 
So they could just walk into your company after a few months and win the tag team championships, one. And number two, that you know, as well as I know, their best work was when they were on the back pedal, when they were taking the punishment and being heels. They're classically trained North Carolina, mid, uh, uh, mid-Atlantic NWA wrestlers. That's where right. they learned. So, But my point is, like, who am I supposed to invest in for those four? You know, that that's a prevailing thought you have throughout the whole pay-per-view. Uh, it's not just this match. You have four guys here where the one team, you can't figure out who's going to turn heel on who with Kenny and Heyman, right? Right. <laughs> like, it's like an appending, okay, we're going to figure out if Kenny Omega will be the real Kenny Omega, who's a heel at the end. They like, I, 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 can't, I don't think anybody could really buy Kenny Omega as a babyface as opposed to just you marking off for his wrestling matches. What about Kenny Omega, the character, the performer, really makes you want to cheer for him outside his moves? That's a good point. And FTR, I agree with you. I, I think it was a little too much too soon when it came to FTR. And it's kind of the issue I have with AEW with, with the people they brought in from WWE and they automatically put titles on them like TNA did. Okay, Brody Lee comes in. He automatically gets a shot for the world title. Um uh, against John Moxley, that doesn't work out a double or nothing. So just to make sure the the Twitter world doesn't say that Brody Lee's being buried in AEW, guess what? Here's the TNT title for you, pal. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and if, same thing applies here for FTR. And now we're gonna rush <laughs> into this Young Bucks program because that's inedible before the fans come back. <laughs> uh, I, if you watch this match on mute hoodie, it would be a great match. Having it with the commentary that was just all over the place the entire night and the lack of energy in that crowd that permeated through that four and a half hour show on Saturday night, it, it just it was just a hit and miss there as far as energy concerned. Uh, it's it's one of those things where you run into a show that's that long on a super long card and it's like, okay, it's awesome. You guys are getting 30 minutes to have a tag team time match. I don't have a problem with that. But where's the heat? Like you said, where's the energy? Why should I care after your false finish spots? <laughs> See, that's the thing. That's the thing. Now, here, here's the thing. I say a lot of things, but listen to me when I tell you this, Josh. And you can agree or disagree. Anyone listening can agree or disagree. If you don't have the proper crowd support for what the wrestlers are doing in the ring, you're not telling a proper story. End of story. End of story. Right. You're not telling the proper story, and you can't blame the weather for that either. (laughs) You can't blame a weather for a bad pay-per-view. And honestly, you watch that match, but like you said, Hoodie, who am I supposed to cheer for? The ref? Right. Right. <laughs> right. I like, I just, you know. And hey, they battled their ass off. It, I mean, it was a, a very, very good match. I understand that. But like, in, in the back of my mind, see, here's the difference between like Omega and, and the Elite and say... Uh, Sasha Banks and and what's her name? Bailey. And Bailey, right? And Bailey. Okay. So that's a long form program. Long program. Like we knew it was inevitable, but you just didn't know. Didn't know it was going to be on free TV, did you? Didn't think it was going to be on SmackDown The Turn. Eventually it was going to happen. With with yeah. this, it's kind of like, oh, Omega's slightly turning, or now he's completely pissed off as he walked off, off the, out of the mat. Okay, so, but but here's the thing. 
Like, you can extend this out even more so. It has to happen now. And why is that the story? The story is, is that you have FTR coming from the WWE. The, the only reason why they're popular is because they left the WWE to come to AEW. There's a number of stories like that in this company. Why, do you, yeah. why, why are you a John Moxley fan? Oh, he was in the WWE and he left, and now he's AEW champion. Yay, so we're into it because they are defects from the WWE. That's ultimately the reason why. Okay, so again... Aren't, aren't they heels because they came from the evil empire, WWE? Aren't they the heels? It, it, it took them all this time to even put them together with Tully Blanchard, FTR. And, and they take the tag team championships. And shouldn't you be booing them? Do they, should, should they be even, even quasi-baby faces? No. You may respect them, but you should boo them. I don't know. I- I think there's a flare of arrogance permeating through that company. I just feel like there's too much glad hatting where, okay, we have freedom, so we're Teflon to anything that goes on around our shows. Like, I don't know who backstage is the one they're telling Tony Khan, whoever's in the booking committee, since half the executive, uh, half the, the top stars are in the booking committee, right? Like, who's telling who that this idea sucks? Who's telling them that why are we rushing uh, XR to get the titles? Well, or any other questions that you have in the company? What's filtering through AEW? What, who is the filter at AEW? Because if I'm just going to a company and all, all I have going for me is that, okay, I'm getting creative, for, I'm getting creative freedom. Awesome. What am I going to do after that? I, I see this whole push on Twitter. Oh, we need Britt Baker and Big Swole to be on the main show. And I'm still trying to figure out what the hell I wrote down in a tooth and the nail match. Just because you want creative freedom and you want to listen to every single aspect from what your audience wants doesn't mean it's right. Because I, I, I believe in this philosophy and I heard this from other people that say it. Sooner or later, one way or another, if you have your fans dictate every single little thing that you do on your program, you're sooner or later going to be sitting with them. And <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Oh, that's a good point. No, it's 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 valid. It's a company in which the in which the boss says no. Remember, I you know I figured it out. Like Tony's writing all this. Tony Tony's the filter, just like kind of like Vince. Tony's the filter. I I at first before I did you know made some calls and did some research. I was like, what is the Young Bucks allowing this stuff? Is Kenny Omega allowing this stuff? Yeah, they're VPs. Is Cody allowing this stuff? Ultimately, it comes down to to Tony. Tony says, no one's going to write my show except me. That's what he said. <laughs> That's what he said. Yeah. He says, this, is all, this is also the same guy that said, I don't, I don't worry about what other companies do. And then in a freaking press conference, he's like, oh, I got to mention how better uh, Double or Nothing was than WrestleMania. Okay. He talks out of both sides of his mouth. Um, you wrote about Britt Baker with Rebel against Big Swole. I don't know why that match was... I mean, think about it. You're starting a pay-per-view, and that's what you start with. That's so horrible. And so, and, and, and Britt clearly is not 100%. Uh, yet, you could have stretched this out, and I know it would have seemed redundant, but what if Britt Baker is sending you know heels after Big Swole, and Big Swole's just knocking them down? Not just Rebel, but I mean just like... Hey, here's right. another. Here's a woman here. Here's another woman. Here's another, and just send out the Britt Baker heel factory, right? Until Britt is hundred percent, and then you build up to to that the fighting. In and then again, not the middle of the card. The first match of the card is that. Right. Horrible. Horrible. 
Yeah, wh- where's Nyla Rose at? <laughs> just like, yeah, just a heel, f- just like send out every week to try to make Big Swole better because I'm not even, not even, I don't even believe she's any good. I'm just, I'm just honest. Like, I don't think Big yeah. Swole's because I wouldn't know. I've seen her wrestle, but I think that the only way you get better is get out there dark one week, dynamite next week, dark one week, and keep going back and forth until you can be able to be sharp in the ring. Um, you know, the story's interesting, but that was horrible to start off. I mean, I I don't even think WWE has ever done anything like that. Their nonsense matches have always been in the middle of the cars, let me up matches, pal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I, I yeah. mean, horrible. Yeah, you don't want your bathroom part of the show. You don't. You don't want your bathroom break part of the show to open up a pay per view. This is why I, I can understand that this started a dynamite show, but you can't do something like this on a pay per view. I yeah. Well, I think that was Jim Ross's best um, commentary was on this match. Um, the Young Bucks <laughs> against the Jurassic <laughs> Express. <laughs> Because <laughs> he didn't say anything. Uh, <laughs> the Young Bucks. I don't know. There was so much from JR this past Saturday. I don't even know where we can start with him. Oh, no. That was his best. That was his best commentary right there on him not saying anything. Uh, and, again, we go back to the Sully comparison, right? You know, Gordon Sully, we had to get him out of the crown room in Atlanta because he was drinking. And, you know, we had to sober him up and just he because he wasn't confident. Uh, and now 2020. All right, so Young Bucks against the Jurassic Express with with Marco Stunt, as I mentioned, like, oh, I, like, like it's fine. No, yeah. Josh, it's fine. It just, I just don't know what what that did for the Jurassic Express. What did that do for them? Nothing. <laughs> Bad stats for the Young Bucks. Then why, why have, why have the match? Where's the heat? What, what's yeah, the, who, let me ask you this. Who am I supposed to cheer for? Let, Matt Jackson super kicking stunting growth? Well, let me ask you a question. What's the program between those four? Tell me about that that program that led to this. The, the premise was that they had an eight-man tag team match, and whoever won that match would fight each other on a pay-per-view because they're like high up in the tag team power rankings, I guess. Yeah. That, that was the premise of their match. All right. And the Young Bucks are in their feelings, so they acted more as heels in this match. Like, don't you notice the passive-aggressive uh, trend that I keep mentioning here? Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. But, I mean, but still, you, you're you not swaying, swaying me one way or the other on who you are as a talent. Say, and say, the, com- the commentators didn't do that as well. <laughs> well, they were. It was, that was the all-time worst. Yes. Yeah, you you got you got Tony saying man every five or six every six sentences saying man all the time. You've got Jr. I don't know what that was. It was awful. And see, here's what hurts. See, I'm a Shivani guy, as you well know, right? That's right. that. I know people are Jim Ross guy. I'm a Jim. I'm a Tony guy, and I thought that Tony was bad. <laughs> so, and an Excalibur was just he was unpolished. It was just. Just not great, man. It just it, it, they're so important to the broadcast. I try to say that uh, over the weekend. I got blocked for it, um, but it's <laughs> it's just true. Lance Archer wins the battle royal. Let me ask you this: What do you think of Lance Archer so far in AEW? I'm a big fan of Lance Archer. I don't know what's going on with Jake the Snake <laughs> as far as promos are concerned. Yeah. The bickering he, he was doing with Taz over the last couple of weeks was like all over the place. And it's just, I don't know. Uh, I, 
Lance Archer by himself is a star in any wrestling promotion, in my opinion. I'm just, uh, I'm a big fan of his. I, I have to say this. I feel like momentum was lost for him after he lost that TNT title match with Cody. I, I really do believe that. You have this guy coming in from New Japan, getting building up the stock, uh, building up his stock in his unstoppable force. Oh, but he can't beat Cody, and he's off off of TV for two and a half months, beating the brandy random people in the backstage area. I want Lance to succeed because he's a talented performer. But <laughs> outside of winning this Casino Battle Royal, what has he really accomplished in AEW? For a big guy, he's been very he's been used very small. Yeah. I, I, but but here's the thing, I need him. To, I need them to build momentum for him. Yes. Just build because he needs to go through and win like four, five, six times. It's like you build him like you build Drew McIntyre. Like right. how, how do you know Drew McIntyre is good enough to be your heavyweight champion? Well. He was able to have a number of series of matches. Okay, some of them were, were Dolph Ziggler. That's fine. He beat somebody. He beat Dolph Ziggler, but he was impressive in those matches. Uh, impressive enough to consider him uh, a title contender, and then he wins a championship. Okay, so Lance yeah. Archer needs to be able to beat someone on a regular basis to lead into that. Um, I think it could be an interesting match. I can see Lance Archer as champion, but not handing him the title just because. Yeah, here's another combo. I want to get your thoughts on this, hoodie. Like, look at what Moose did. Yeah, in Impact before he became like the cocky all I'm the self proclaimed TNA champion or whatever. Uh, they Impact did a really good job with Moose as far as having him pick up quality wins over the talented people they had on their roster. Like, you watch Moose every time I watch him on Tuesdays on Access TV when I cover the Impact shows. I'm excited to watch Moose because I always know he's going to deliver. And even if he loses on a pay per view here or there, I still know that his stock, his his value hoodie is high. And I, I, that, I, that's what I want to see from Lance Archer as well. They've done a phenomenal um, job. Uh, the, the brass at, at Impact have done a phenomenal job. And packaging moose and it, it and i know a little bit about that behind the scenes uh that wasn't easy because you want to get his promo his promos down you want him to be a, a chicken shit heel from time to time he's he's learning on the fly the um the, his mentality about the business has gotten so much better over the past year but of course he's working with really quality people so i that's not a surprise Right. So um, I, I already dug into Tony Khan for being a mark uh, for the business by allowing Matt Hardy to take on Sammy Guevara. I just I, I just want to get your reaction to it. I know you haven't had your your uh, full podcast on this as of yet, but I just would love to get your thoughts on what happened there because that broken rules match should have been broken early. You know, it's one thing we could come on here and have our subjective views on storylines and where things are going. But when you have an incident that happened on Saturday night, there's no excuse for that. There's no cop-out, a backtracking thing you could justify for what occurred with that match with Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara. Not only just from the Matt Hardy factor, but the bad publicity that's been thrust upon AEW over the last couple of months with Sammy Guevara. This, this is the third case of bad publicity that has involved something with Sammy Guevara. 
Look, I'm not going to fully blame Sammy Gravar for this spot. I just think it's stupid for both guys to literally do a spear off a scissor lift in the middle of a concourse area where it's mostly concrete and they didn't even have the proper setup with tables. Okay, was the spear overshotted? Again, I'm not going to come here and make excuses for the situation, but here's a guy who recklessly threw a chair into Matt Hardy's face and had... 13 stitches above his forehead a couple weeks ago on Dynamite, and you're doing this spot two weeks later on pay-per-view. And also, not forgetting what he mentioned about Sammy, uh, Sasha Banks while he was suspended. I feel Tony Khan really needs to look in the mirror and st- ask himself, are you a owner or are you a mark? I don't care how talented Sammy Gravar is, but you have these guys feuding with each other, just for the sake of the feuding, you got to keep Sammy being over. You have a guy who made a comment about rape and you bring him back in a main event time slot. Didn't Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara main event at Dynamite a couple weeks ago? Yep. And this is a guy who brought bad publicity for a company that really cares about uh, respecting women, respecting morality, making cultural change in the professional wrestling business. And then they... Give a spotlight for a guy who's reckless and is in over his head. Now we have Matt Hardy. Like I mentioned, the guy had 13 stitches in his head and could have had a major concussion with that chair shot he received a couple weeks ago. You have this guy's head bounce off of concrete and miraculously he gets up and he's allowed to wrestle and climb a freaking scaffold on the stage just to throw somebody through a, a crash pad. That was cold. A cold bump. Yeah. A cold bump. You had a guy who literally has a concussion, and he, he had the poor guy going through a free crash pad, too. It, it, that, that was negligence there on every level. I have no sympathy for AW and how they handled that situation because it was embarrassing. Uh you know, him trying to deflect the questions, trying to move on to the next topic like he's an NFL coach, not wanting taking hard questions during the uh, the post-media scrum after All Out. I just thought it was embarrassing, Hoodie. It, it really was because you not only you're having what I mentioned with the Sammy Guevara angle, you have one of your talents that you like, hey, Matt, we care about you. We want you to be a big part of our company. He, he's getting involved with a talent who's in over his head and you're doing this on live pay-per-view. And I don't care that you need to finish the match. No, you don't. It's not the 90s anymore. Yeah, well, I, I agree wholeheartedly there. I just, you know, it, <laughs> he tried to make his own moment, his old 90s moment. Like, you know, he saw Mick Foley in that moment. It's like if the doctor cleared him, there, it's, there's no clearing. I mean, if he has a concussion, he needs to go to the hospital for observation. And they let allow him to go up there because I'm sure Matt Hardy said a million times, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Well, you know what? I think the audience would have understood if that match did not take place, if it, if it would have concluded, and they pick it up at another time. But it just had to happen because Tony wanted his own Mick Foley mark-out moment, and it's just bullshit. It's just, that's not good for anybody, young or old, in that spot. And... um you know that that's just uh, as as you mentioned negligence on the part of Tony Khan and AEW for that to to go on. You have to at some point care about the wrestlers. The same Paul, yeah. the same Paul Heyman and ECW. You know, if, uh, you know, dive off the balcony for me because I just need you to dive off the balcony for me. 
<laughs> right, you know? Yeah, do it because I need you to do it. Not only negligence from Tony Kosfar, I want to mention this for people in my own field. For those particular reporters that are questioning Rebby Hardy's knowledge of the situation, I just think it's embarrassing. As yeah. somebody who covers the business for a living, and I'm proud to cover this industry and make a living out of it, it's embarrassing that some people think they have more intel on the condition of Matt Hardy than his own wife. Well, and on top of that, I'll, I'll say this for people in our business, like Dave Meltzer, to go on there the day after and and fight with Brian Alvarez, a wrestler himself, and he, and Brian was like, I think he was out. The, he was out for about forty five seconds. No, 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 no. Had to be about four or five seconds. Stop defending them. Uh, stop defending Tony Khan, Dave Meltzer. Oh, who's someone who listen. We listen to a lot of wrestling podcasts. We know that the wrestling people that don't like Meltzer because of you know poor information or they've got right. some beef. I got no axe to grind with Meltzer. I don't. I don't know Dave Meltzer. He doesn't know me. But you can't get on the air and say that no, it was fine. Like you know, the doctors made their decision. No, it was for and like and Alvarez is like no, he was down and not available to wrestle for forty five seconds. He shouldn't have been in there. No, 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 no. Like really. You just as a wrestling quote unquote wrestling journalist, as a wrestling journalist, a sports entertainment journalist, you're going to agree with Tony Khan just because? Just it's it's nonsense. I that's my first time taking a, a major swipe at Meltzer, but it's it's deserved. Look at what happened in the situation. They're more careful in other sports, and so in sports entertainment, you should be just as in, uh, careful with the athlete. But that you know, what do I yeah. know? Um, the Mimosa Mayhem match with Chris Jericho and, and Orange Cassidy. You know, J- Chris Jericho said on the record that he um, he didn't get Orange Cassidy at the beginning. I didn't get Orange Cassidy at the beginning. But when I go back and look at some of his indie stuff, it's like, okay, I understand the gimmick and how he can explode into some really awesome offense. But even in this kind of gimmick match, how much does that elevate uh, Orange Cassidy? It, it's hard to answer that question because I can give you that answer due to due to the crowd reaction or lack thereof on the pay per view hoodie. Well, you know, as I, I, I besides, said, besides, besides the spot of Jericho going into the mimosa, yeah, like the people were sitting on their hands during this match. Well, here's here's what I don't know. Here's what I don't know. I don't. I said this at the beginning of the podcast. I don't. I, I think that Tony Khan and the in the production uh, company did not do a good job of miking that crowd. What was it, 600 people there? They were all sitting upstairs uh, in the second level of Daly's place. If that's the case, don't you put the mic where the crowd is? Yes. Because in that first level, it's nothing but like personnel and wrestling and wrestlers. So there's nobody that was sitting ringside. So you're not going to get any sound there. If they were sitting upstairs, they did a terrible job of miking it to make it seem like... Because if, if you listen to it, there are very few pops. Well, if it was populated upstairs, you got to put the mics up there. Put a boom mic up there so that you can where you can hear the crowd. So I don't I don't know who got over at all with the crowd because I didn't hear anything. Yeah, the last reaction was the Judas sing along, which is something I still don't get. Why are you singing the heels song? But <laughs> well, there you go. But, yeah, but I, you know, that's that was another thing. I I, I watched uh, the pay per view live just to watch it as a fan first then i did a transcript later yeah and 
just to, I, I like to have context before I come on here and say dispute spew off at the mouth. I really don't come on here with fabricated opinions, hoodie. I just wanted to watch things, try to get game both different perspectives. And I, I wanted to get into this match. I thought the concept of the match was stupid. I don't know why you need a uh, <laughs> Superman punch somebody in Mimosa in Florida, of all places. But <laughs> yeah. uh, I wanted this match to be entertaining. I'm sure they have some good spots if I watch this match again down the road. But it's just cold. <laughs> it yeah. was a cold gimmick match. Um. Yeah. I don't. I mean, it's one I want again. It's a part of the example of uh, Tony Khan not saying no. Jericho comes there with a concept. Jericho, Jericho's doing more stuff now than he has in ten years in the WWE. I, I'm sure that whatever the WWE had for him, he like they had for him. He might have suggested some things, but anything that Jericho wants to do, he can do. And, and so I ridicule this like I'd ridicule it if it was in WWE. Same thing. I, I can't just say, well, it's an AEW, so it makes sense. No, it doesn't. <laughs> so, yeah. so, no, I didn't, I didn't, it's a gimmick match. I don't know what that does for Orange Cassidy. And Chris Jericho wanted to put him over two out of three in those matches. And, all right, so, then what, right? Do you remember when we talked about Okada last week? Yeah. I think it's time for Jericho to have some time off of television. Fine, that's fair. That's fair because I don't know because his his group his faction is cold. It's ice cold. Big time cold. Yeah, it's cold. They're like Han Solo cold. Yeah, I mean, it was it was one of the hottest things in the business for a while, right? It's like all right, he's got Jake Hager, all right, and he's got Proud and Powerful or whatever. He's got the tag team and Sammy Guevara and Jericho. Now they don't. I. I, have I seen them in the ring together in a while doing stuff? I don't think I have. I mean, doing nefarious things. Outside of the Orange Cassidy thing, I've seen them beat up on him. But as far as being a group, when there was a crowd early this year and last year, it's like, oh, you know, I could see them as being a really good faction. Yeah, where, where, where's the heat from Santana and Ortiz that we saw in Impact? Well, they're a comedy team, pal. Yeah, <laughs> just like Jake Hager getting eliminated by Sunny Kiss. Well, you got set. The, well, you got to have that. Got set that matchup for Wednesday. Because <laughs> everybody's been waiting for that, right? Sunny Nutella. Sunny Kiss with a better back bend with than half the women I've been with. It's just amazing. Um, <laughs> she, we can call her she or he. It's all right. It is. It is. Let me ask you this: As a broadcaster, is it okay if if I go up to Sunny Kiss and say, "What do you want me to refer you?" She, and, and Sunny says, "Either way, I, you can call me a he or a she." Aren't you just leaning on the he? Are you going? Are you vacillating back and forth, or are you sticking with one thing? I'm sticking with one thing. That's what I'm thinking too. That's not what Jr. did. He, you can't send mixed messages to your audience. That's right. That's right. No matter what the circumstances. Josh, I thought that Thunder Rosa, the NWA Women's Champion, had a really nice outing against Sheeta. That did a lot for Thunder Rosa. You know, yes. it, been, it could have been cool if uh, the owner of NWA could have been at ringside or just kind of been there because they would have gave a little gravitas to it. Like, here's my NWA Women's Champion. But uh, he didn't show up. 
You know, before we get to the Billy Corgan factor, I <laughs> this is no slide at Justin Roberts because he is a Chicago guy. Yeah. But I wish Dave Marquez <laughs> did the ring introduction for this match. Well, yeah, that he would. Oh, well, <laughs> well, well, not the studio Dave Marquez because he would have said uh, Thunder Rosa, and then just <laughs> and the crowd goes wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like he's not he's not a ring announcing. He's speaking it. It's kind of funny. It's just like Hikaru Shida. Thank you very much. All right. <laughs> Thank you for coming. <laughs> one fall. All right. There we go. Um, I like the match. It's it's one of my favorite matches on the card. Actually, I really enjoyed this match as well, hoodie. Um, I gotta say this: Hikaru Shida is one of the most consistent performers in AEW. Um, obviously, just. She runs into a tough situation where the fact that the company doesn't put that much of an emphasis on its women's division, so she gets kind of lost in the shuffle along the way. Uh, and they just, uh, I think, uh, a fortunate thing for AEW is that a lot of their other female performers have been stuck out of the country due to the pandemic. So you can't, I guess you can't always switch up the feuds or the match pairings for women's division because they got a third of their roster out of the country right now. But Still, it's, I, I, I like his Carl Shida. She's an awesome wrestler. Uh, I think Thunder Rosa has had probably two out of the three best women title matches on wrestling this year. You go back to the one that she had at Hard Times with uh, Allison K. Yeah. Hoodie. That, that was a fantastic match. Same thing here with uh, Hikaru Shida. I really, really enjoyed this match. And obviously, these two ladies were put in a rough spot where you have an embarrassing spot on a pay-per-view for your company and you have these ladies go in just right after that it's just i i felt bad for them initially but they brought it pal yeah no, they laid was, their shit in and it was a really good match i enjoyed that i thought they did a really terrific job so those are among our thoughts about um all out uh the pay-per-view from jacksonville florida a couple of news and notes before we go um yeah. did, would you well let me see i got a lot okay where do you place dominic mysterio's run here in the WWE versus other rookies that you've seen right off the bat. Because I, I think that he's been impressive. Uh, I think Dominic could use a mask. Not a lot of, not great with the facials yet. Um, yeah. but, 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 but like if he's in trouble, it looks like he's on the offense at the same time. Like his facials aren't there yet, but his action is interesting. I, I'm as impressed with him as any rookie has ever come in in that company. Yeah, that that's an interesting topic. Um, I'll just compare it to other performers that come from uh, other wrestling families. Um, Dominic's near at the top of the list because I I liked Curtis Axel to a certain extent, but they always dropped him with dumb names, so it's hard to fully go into his uh, performances over the years. Um, I think he's probably ahead of Bo Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a low bar. It, it is a low bar. Like I, like I said, it's <laughs> you know it's always a predicament. You run into these um, second generation performers. Some make it, some don't. Ted DiBiase, I thought he was going to be the next big thing, and then oh, out of nowhere, he's he's <laughs> he's out of the company. He's not wrestling anymore. You know what? I got a good comp for you. I'll throw it back, hoodie. How about the natural Dustin Rhodes? Perfect. Perfect. Dustin Rhodes was good when I first saw him. And um, when I look back at the the old tapes of WCW and when he first came on, where Dusty just kind of 
you know, loosened the reins, like, all right, Dustin, let's go. And Dustin was as good a talent as anybody in that company. And it, it, it helped because he took on veterans like Rick Rude, Larry Zabisco, Arn Anderson. So he was able to learn against a lot of veterans. And it, it did not look like Eric Watts. Yeah, it, right. it, 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 it didn't look like, you know, where a guy's struggling trying to figure out who he is in the ring. Um, so it doesn't look like it doesn't look like Sean Stasiak. No, no, oh, boy, that's tough. That's really tough on Stasiak. It's just it's true. Like he just he looked great. He just couldn't move, you know. And so that's I would say that that's that's fair. I think it's very fair. That Ted DiBiase group, by the way, with Cody Rhodes and Randy. Rand- oh, legacy. Yes, should have been a thing, man. Mm-hmm. Should have been a thing. I don't. I mean. It's it, it's kind of like Arn Anderson's frustration, and it comes out every now and then in his podcast. Like he does, he can't say it, but he does say it. Like there's some things where Vince just gets tired of it, and it's an audience of one. And you, you're trying to build young talent, right? Well, well, Dominic is a young talent. I'll say this at the end of Raw. Uh, <laughs> I think I tweeted this out, dude. Dude, it's. It turned into Brett versus Vince at WrestleMania, where the whole family beats up on one guy. At some point, Buddy Murphy turns into babyface, doesn't he? <laughs> I saw that too. I got a tuck out of it. Here's the only difference: you don't have Bruce Hart with his shades out there trying to get himself over. Well, well, yeah. Well, he's a well, he's a dick. Yeah, so, exactly. so, so, so that's the difference. You're right. There's a difference. Bruce Hart is a dick and thinks that he needs to be in that spot. He what an opportunist. That's why he didn't hire the WWE. It's just like you know, get out of here, man. You stampede wrestler, get out of here. Nobody cares about your shades. They're not Brett, pal. <laughs> he's a dick. He just he like he thinks he should be in Brett in Brett's spotlight. That's why. So, so, so that's that's an all. So I just thought I, well, I just thought that that was a little bit too much on Murphy. Like, all right, that's enough. Um, yeah, the the extra ones after the match is excessive. I I, I you know it's kind of like full circle because you remember when the first time the full the whole Mysterio family was on television at the same time was with um, CM Punk when CM Punk wished Aaliyah happy birthday. Yeah. His feud with Rey Mysterio, so I was like, okay, you know what? You always, you guys always get brought in to be made to look bad while your family members getting their ass whipped. All right, go ahead, lay in a couple shots, in pal. Yeah, I don't even know. There's some angle happening here where the well, I don't know why the whole family's got to be out there, but there's some angle. Like if Aaliyah turns, I don't care. Is she wrestling? If the if the wife turns, does it matter? I don't. I don't even get it. I don't. I understand. think Dom, Dominic will probably turn. Probably. He's he's too much of a baby face to turn heel. Like I'm not believing that guy as a heel unless he got some mic skills I didn't expect. Yeah. Is Dominic against Ray. Down the road, that has to be right now. I don't want to. I don't want to see that match. You don't want to see that. No, match? I don't want to see that match. No. No. I don't know. Maybe that's maybe the one father and son match that could actually work. I mean, we didn't see Soul Man versus The Rock. <laughs> the dream match I wanted. Damn it! Why did I get a Soul Man Rock match? <laughs> we could have got that in like '96. We could have had could have got a Soul Man Rock match. Yeah, did did uh the Soul Man help Rock win a WrestleMania match in Chicago? Uh, 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 house show. 
No, uh, <laughs> are you calling WrestleMania 13 a house? No, I'm sorry. No, I know. I didn't mean that. No, no, I didn't. No, I don't remember that. No, I don't. I yeah, just... it, was, it was The Rock versus The Sultan. Oh, boy, poor Rikishi. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was this menagerie of characters. You have The Rock, you have Soul Man, you have uh, The Sultan, and you got Jim Cornette out there Jeez. as a manager. <laughs> God almighty. <laughs> double T's, double man. <laughs> I, I, I love the. I'm just looking at the imagery of of Soul Man Rock. <laughs> what does that look like? Soul Man would beat the hell out of the Rock. I'm telling you that right now. Rocky Johnson would beat the hell out of the Rock. And you know what? The Rock would say that too. Rock had yeah. Rock had six moves, and Rocky and Rocky Johnson had the the Ali uh, shuffle. He had that. Um, the, rock, the Rock would have to be Trent Seven. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. Pretty much. Trent Seven. Oh, by the way, NXT UK coming back this month? Yes, a week from this Wednesday. NXT UK is back on the WWE Network, and it can't come soon enough. And Nigel <laughs> McGuinness is back on the NXT UK brand. Did you see that? Oh, me and my day hoodie. I, I saw that. That's that. a news item that we didn't say earlier. There he is, like Nigel's back in the perfect brand with Andy Shepard. Pal, the best commentary duo oh, in WWE. I'm gonna, when, that, when that show comes on, I'm going to tweet that out. There you are, the two best in the company right there. Yes. Um, what else did I have for you? Cedric Alexander turning heel was tremendous in the first quarter hour, the first half hour. I'm like, whoa. Yep. Something interesting, like, okay, all right, Raw, I see you. Give me something that I'm not expecting. Cedric Alexander, people had hinted about that while Heyman was uh, running Raw, and now Cedric Alexander probably part of the Hurt Business. That works for me. Business is booming, pal. Um, I got to get the T-shirt because I'm in with the Hurt Business. I love it. I love Think it. Think about it. Shelton Benjamin is revived again. A pro's pro uh, back on weekly television, not always being made to made look like a fool outside the the stuff he did with the 21st-7 title, but you get my point, Hoodie. Like, Bobby Lashley still the man. Who knows? Maybe somewhere down wrong, maybe he gets another shot at the WWE title. And I got to tell you, man, if you want to compare factions right now in wrestling, the Hurt Business does circles around the inner circle, part of the pun. Fair. Fair. It, 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 that's retribution. Those four is retribution right there. Yes. <laughs> yes, they you are. You don't need an extra fashion. That's your faction right there. Who's going to get through those guys? Seriously. I don't know. I mean, what, your weak link is MVP, a veteran, who's the mouthpiece too? Damn, that thing. All black faction, and they're dressed well, and they're doing business? Shit, that's, that makes money. Give me that T-shirt. Uh, I, I love the I love the line MVP used yesterday. Bones and bottles popping, <laughs> while nonsense and little things are stopping. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought that was the old man at the lounge bit at first when he came back with that. I'm like, oh, this is not gonna work. And then like it's fresh now because yes. it's it's fresh. It's because uh, at first I was like, oh, here comes Uncle from the lounge with his MVP chain <laughs> and like saying balling from twenty twenty oh nine. I'm like, oh god, this is so dated. So washed, and it's fresh now. <laughs> it's like okay, it works. Um, do you believe that NXT will move to Tuesdays? 
because they're doing well. As we record this on Tuesday afternoon, NXT will air um, tonight on the 8th, right? Yes. Do you think that, that's been rumored out there that they're doing better on Tuesdays than Wednesdays? I'm sure for the wrestling fan, it's great for your business to do that at Impact in the same day would be hell. Hey, you get in the business and you got to uh, pay your dues, pal. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's what I'm doing, man. You know, I I I go and try to do my best to cover every company. Am I able to cover every show live due to my schedule at my uncle's tattoo shop? No, but you know, it's part of my journey, hoodie, and I wouldn't have it any other way. So, as far as your question is concerned, um, I think they should be on Tuesday nights because I don't. I I just never bought into the premise of the Wednesday Night Wars. I thought it was silly. We talked about it when we were doing the weekly reviews. Um, You know, Triple H says that he's worried about their own show. Moving on Tuesday. At the end of the day, it shouldn't be about Nielsen metrics that are outdated and whatever metric we want to use is demos or engaging what shows are better or not. Let's talk about the content <laughs> and we can evaluate which shows are better if you want to continue on Wednesday nights. But I feel like they should be on Tuesdays, have their own night and have people take in NXT for what it is instead of having AEW in the back of your head. I, I, I That's the problem in wrestling. We don't watch wrestling shows for wrestling shows. We always have something in the back of our head thinking about something else that has nothing to do with the shows we're watching. When I'm watching NXT UK, I'm not thinking about any other wrestling company. <laughs> when I watch New Japan over the weekend, I'm not thinking about other shows. True. So. True. I um, It would be interesting if they made that move. And poor Impact Wrestling, where they've got great talent. We've talked about it, how it's gotten better. But they are on a station, on a network, and an access TV that does not rate. They don't have this, the system to rate. So you don't know how well they're doing. I have not asked how well they're doing. I have not I have not reached out to them in a while. So I don't know what their numbers are internally. But it's like, if you're Impact Wrestling, you're spinning your wheels. Because for a television entity because they're owned by a television company uh an anthem you gotta get you gotta have more awareness and right like I, I know that uh, listen they've come a long way from twitch okay they've come a long yes. way <laughs> i mean but but just the point is like you know if nxt does make that move now even fewer people will be watching impact and i'm not happy with them putting putting the title eric young either I, i'm like, not either no i'm not i'm not like come on bro you have young talent there. You're not moving the meter by saying, you know what, now we've got a, a, a WWE reject, a guy that didn't even use well enough. And I love that that group Sanity. But it's, I remember it like it was yesterday, man. Sanity is on in NXT and like, okay, I like it. You know, Eric Young is best when he's a heel and crazy, right? In, yes. T, in TNA, we saw him crazy. It's like, okay, I like it. It's, SmackDown was in San Diego. I'm like, they're dead. When they moved to the main roster and they went to San Diego and people had no idea what Sanity was. They had no idea what that's like, what? What's what, what's going on with the lights? It was like a what, four PM Pacific, half a house in San Diego, and they couldn't care less about who they were. They were dead on arrival. I'm like, as soon as you put them to the main roster, Vince like, Nope, nobody cares. You're out. Yeah, not only Vince, when you have the uh, executive producer of the show who has coined a phrase, we're not wrestling. 
we're not wrestling. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he has the attention span of um, Chicago sports fans. Like, yeah. They, it's, it's a lose-lose situation. I, I just thought it was a bad look for Impact because you basically told your audience that Eddie Edwards was the face of the company, and then three weeks later, he loses the title with Josh Matthews riveting commentary. One, two, Eric Young's the new champion. I yeah, know. I was. I know. Like he. Ooh, that bo- that bothered me. That bothered me, because in the middle of the count, he already had him as as new world champion, as if he read it off a script. Yes. Oh my god, that bothered me so bad. I'm like, and I know Josh Matthews is a hybrid of Jim Ross and Michael Cole. <laughs> Listen to his commentary. It's both. <laughs> they're both guys i'm like you know you can hear when he stretches out his words that that is jim ross and then there's some the rest of the commentary is like michael i'm like well you can tell his influences um and so i i did not like the end of that match the way it was called that you're right i i'm glad you picked up on that too like god so you're saying that he can't kick out <laughs> so, so I, I think you have enough young talent that you could have stretched out Eric Young to be a super heel for a year, but to just throw the title on him just because, just because, that that does nothing for the company. No, it doesn't. And it, here's a cr- uh, crass uh, difference from last week. Tonight they have the Motor City Machine Guns against the Rascals for the tag team titles. That'll probably be the main event. Now, even if the Rascals don't beat the Marcy Machine Guns tonight, they're going to be elevated in the process because they're working with those guys. You have Eric Young who comes in, takes out Rich Juan. We don't know whether he's retired or not storyline-wise. And if you wanted to make Eric Young a mercenary, you got to have him lay out other people on the roster. Not just, okay, we'll have a month to pass it by, and then, okay, here's a championship for you, pal. A lot of things that are just head-scratchers. Yes. Sammy Callahan as a baby face against RVD. I don't understand that from last week. That poor referee was <laughs> useless. Jesus, man. I I I'm just baffled. Like it's but here's the thing, the show's better. There's no doubt the show's better. Absolutely. I just I don't I don't agree with putting Eric Young as your as your champion. I just I don't I don't know where you're going with that. Um, they have good tag team wrestling, as you mentioned. Ace Austin, Madman Fulton, Rascals. I just, I don't even know if half the people listening to this podcast get Access TV. But it's good stuff, though. I watch because I love Taya Valkyrie, for obvious reasons. Right. <laughs> um, the, um, the, what was it, the Black Tie Affair with Deanna Peraza last week was brutal. It was. Just, Brutal. <laughs> well, that's another. Com- that's, that's kind of the case. The point where, oh, they didn't give me a chance to cut promos. Yeah, there's a reason why. <laughs> yeah. Well, that you know what? There's this is another company where they are schizophrenic. It's another company where it's like, boy, the action's good, but some of the others out outside the ring, you know, vignettes and things they do are just kind of silly. Like you know, Wrestle House should be a digital, uh, short. It should not be on television. Like what? What do you write down about Russell House? <laughs> you did it. <laughs> well, you put the video up there. You didn't write about it, but you put the video up there, right? 
Yes. <laughs> the, the demon proposal. Yeah, I just, I, I don't know. Well, my friend, um, again, you could follow Josh on Twitter at the Hoots Podcast. Tell us when the Hoots Podcast drops. Hoots Podcast drops every single Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Anywhere you get your podcast from, the show is sponsored by Spotify, so appreciate everybody there. Uh, thank you. Uh, you guys can also check out ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. I've been very busy on the end outside of the AWWE bubble. I've been really jotted down a lot of the New Japan product. Uh, we're about a week or two away from the G1 hoodie, so my September and October is going to be all over the place. But <laughs> uh, it, it's cool. It's, I, I'm really happy with the progress where the website's going right now. We're getting some cool uh, return on investment. The, the feedback, more importantly, has been very humbling. And it's a lot of content pr- to, to consume and jot down. And more than anything, I just want these articles to be a point of reference for anybody who doesn't have the time to catch up with the shows. That's that's what they're there for. I have fun making them. I think it's helped me uh, gain a better perspective on the industry as a whole, and it's helped me become a better broadcaster, too. And it's uh, I really have a lot of fun covering the business. Whether the shows are good or bad or we get redundant matches on television show, I always tell people this. Like, whenever I see it, there's going to be a rematch on Raw, I have like a, a sense of relief because, all right, pal, I can just stop this now. I know what's going to happen. So yeah. <laughs> it, it's a it's a it's a project that I'm proud of. And um, you guys should check out ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Great to hear from Josh Lopez from ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com as we reviewed All Out. Don't forget to follow along on Twitter and Instagram at Wrestling TWT again at Wrestling TWT. Ooh, it's been a long one, almost 90 minutes. Hope that you've enjoyed our podcast. And I'd love your feedback. It's one thing for you to listen, but wherever you're listening to us from, reach out to us. UTH Pods at Outlook.com. Again, UTH Pods at Outlook.com. Love to get your feedback on our podcast. Uh, some things that we might have missed, some things that you want to add on to the conversation, please do so. Or interact with us on Twitter. It's easy, even easier. Um, at Wrestling TWT on Instagram and on Twitter. All right, we will come back together as a wrestling community. The TWT tribe will be all together again on the 15th of September. Subscribe to the podcast. You never know what's going to drop. We put the Tony Khan pop, uh, press conference out there for you. Uh, so you never know when it's going to be extra features on TWT. But we want you to be part of our TWT tribe Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Tell people, John the Hood's Talking Wrestling. Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. And don't forget to follow me uh, every morning in Chicago. ESPN 1000 Chicago. Download the ESPN Chicago app or on TuneIn. Look for Captain J. Hood every morning between 7 and 10 a.m. Central Time on the ESPN Chicago app. All right, we'll talk again with another edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday.